This looks back, uh, the passage building to this, of Moses coming down the mountain and he radiates God's glory. But the people are freaked out. They can't handle it. And so Moses puts a veil over his face. But when, the God, when Jesus came and the Holy Spirit resides within us, the veil is lifted. And God's glory, the image of Christ, is being radiated for our friends, our neighbors, and for our world to see. Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled, The Holy Spirit, Mission, and was based on 1 Peter 4, 10-11. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. What will you do with the one and only life that God gives to you? How will we steward the resources that God entrusts to us? Let's, let's get away from kind of an American therapeutic deism about the Christian faith, where the Christian faith is uh, in order to give us comfort and success. But instead, the Christian faith following Jesus will have many times where there will be discomfort because the Holy Spirit convicts us and opens our eyes to see things that before we might not have noticed or we might have thought we could never make any difference in our world so overwhelmingly filled with needs. And as God's Spirit calls us to disadvantage ourselves in order to serve others following in the footsteps of Jesus, are we Christians in name? Are we growing and learning to be Christ followers following in the footsteps of the One who humbly laid Himself out in order that there would be peace and hope and justice and life. It's a challenge for us. and We can't do it without the Holy Spirit guiding us. I, I want to remind us that all throughout Scripture, this is a theme about stewarding the blessings that God gives to us. All the way back when God is covenanting with Abraham... So God covenants in the Old Testament so we can understand how God relates with people. What is a covenant relationship and covenants? And then through God's covenant people would bring Messiah to the whole world. And this is what God says in Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you. Don't stop reading there. I will bless you and I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's true of every covenant, including the new covenant that we live under. It's to steward the blessings that God gives to us in order to be the hands, the feet, the voice, the love, the compassion, the hope, the truth, and the justice of Jesus to our neighbors. So I want to come back and ask, what will we do with the one and only life that God entrusts to us? Will we really live kind of this pitiful American dream? You know how it goes. Get a good job or get a good education so you can get a good job, so you can make a lot of money, so you can have stuff so that people look at us and think, hmm, boy, that person, that, that person is important. And, and then we can retire early so we can sit around and play board games and count seashells. Imagine at the end of our life facing God. Hey, God, you see those degrees on the wall? You're pretty impressive. Hey, God, did you see my house? You must be impressed. Hey, God, can I show you my seashell collection? Right? Are you kidding me? But those things take on life and meaning and joy and purpose when we steward those things 
for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're in a three-week sermon series about the Holy Spirit. Uh, The first week we explored salvation, how the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ. Last week, formation, how the Holy Spirit grows us more like Christ. And now this week we look at mission, how the Holy Spirit equips us to serve Christ. Jesus accentuated how important it is that we're sent by Jesus and that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, where we read, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus has gone to the cross for the crucifixion to atone for our sins so that our sins could be heaped on the cross and atoned for by Jesus. Then Jesus rose from the dead, overcoming death to open the way to eternal life and to begin living that eternal life right here, right now. And he's about to ascend to the Father. And the disciples must have been asking, but but how does your mission go global? How does your mission spread? We talked last week. It was good that Jesus ascended, gave us the Spirit. Otherwise, we would all be lining up in Jerusalem, right? Waiting months to see Jesus, and then we get our 15 seconds because there's you know millions of people waiting. Instead, Jesus ascended, and the Holy Spirit, God's presence, now lives within us. And Jesus says, well, how will this mission go global? It's going to go global through the church. To you, my people, who are my, rep- who are my ambassadors, little embassies of the kingdom of God all over the world who are representing, revealing the gospel to our neighbors and around the world. And so Jesus does this kind of funky thing. He breathes on them. Obviously, last couple of years with COVID, Jesus would have done this a little bit differently, right? But Jesus breathes on them. Why? He's, he, he's sending them a message. He's giving them a portrait. And this is the portrait. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. I'm, call, I'm sending you to be my people. That's your number one mission in life, to be my people in this world that I've created, says God. And I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to enable you to reflect who I am to your neighbors and to be gifted and guided to serve in our broken, damaged, wounded world. And so God gifts us for this mission. We read about this uh, several places, just two examples. First Peter chapter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, to each one the gifts of the Spirit are given for common good. Notice it says, each one or each of you. See, you got gifts. You may not recognize that. You may have had some failures or brokenness that makes it incredibly fearful to think God might call me to serve God in this world, but you got gifts. Um, Some of these might be spiritual gifts, those things that God just supernaturally implants within us to reveal His glory. Some of these might be just natural abilities, but God is still the author of all those abilities that we steward. It's like we take those abilities and we lay them on the altar And we say, God, how might these abilities, these professional competencies, how might my education, how might might my time, my family, uh, my neighborhood, I'm laying this all on the altar to look through the lens of your mission, to be fully engaged 
in your mission 24-7, wherever you plant me and whatever goes on in our everyday lives. But notice they're called gifts. It's built off the Greek word charis, which means grace. These are gifts of grace. Here's why this is so important for us to grasp. Last week was the NBA draft. And then the same principle is true when we go for a job interview or when we apply to schools. And that is this. People with the ability are then chosen. And we get acculturated to that. Oh, people who have ability are then chosen. The kingdom of God is counterintuitive. The kingdom of God is upside down. God chooses us as his children and then calls and equips us for his mission. Do you see the difference? God's not like, man, who can I draft on my team? Jesus is saying, hmm, all peoples, when they come to Jesus for the love and the grace and the forgiveness are then called to my mission and all gift and all guide. So God's not looking for great people. God's looking for available people with hearts that are broken by what breaks God's heart who are then called to be part of his mission in the world. I'm an example of this. Uh, I probably share this about every three years. Um, But when I was growing up, I struggled with some stuttering. Uh, I also had a 1.5 GPA in middle school, right? And uh, I I forgot to share that with the search committee uh, 23 years ago, so sorry about that. But, um, you know, and there was a lot of brokenness and there was stuttering. it, it wasn't pronounced, but it was enough to have some of my friends joke, and I laughed it off, but, you know, it hurts. And I remember when I gave my life to Christ late in high school, there would then be about three years of wrestling, really hard-fought wrestling guided by God's Spirit, and people gave me a safe space to really, is this true, is this real, am I really going to give my life to this? But I remember laying in my bed. I can see this, I can experience this moment right now. I'm laying in my bed, and I literally said, God, I have nothing to offer you. But whatever that Jesus thing is, forgive me, and I want to follow Jesus. As long as I made one stipulation, as long as I never have to speak in front of people, right? (laughs) I was terrorized by that. Isn't it beautiful how God can take even our weaknesses, our brokenness, and use those for his glory? God's not looking for some kind of great people who've got it. God's just looking for available people. And then God will gift us and, and, and help guide us our natural abilities, our, our professional competencies, our education, our time, and even our brokenness to use for his glory. Remember, God's greatest identification with the world comes through the sacrifice on the cross of Christ. It's that brokenness. We can identify with that, can't we? The God who was bruised and damaged and broken for us. See, our brokenness can often be some of the greatest mission uh, to connect with our neighbors and that God can use. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to this young man, uh, uh, Timothy, and he reminds him to, to faithfully steward the gifts that have been entrusted to him. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you when the elders laid their hands on you, And then the next letter, the last letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 1, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God in you. So Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy is wrestling with self-doubt, just like you and I do. He's timid, he's struggling, he's like, God, Paul, how how can you... 
you like dropped me here to do ministry and this is overwhelming to me. I don't think I can do this. Just like you and I often feel. He's afraid. He has self-doubt. And Paul reminds him, don't neglect the gift that's been identified and given to you. When I was young, way back when I was young, I remember that there were ads on television that were really gripping. Um, it was for the college fund. Then it was called the United Negro College Fund. And it showed a family sitting around dinner, African-American family, and they'd say, I'm sorry, son, daughter, but we just don't have the funds. You can't go to college. And you'd see the brokenheartedness. And then the line was, I've never forgotten this, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. That's true, isn't it? I also want to say, our gifts, our calling, is a terrible thing to waste. And the only way we're really going to discover our gifts is by serving and learning and discovering. We'll talk about that in a minute. How tragic when the church or when some of God's people, gifts and resources get wasted rather than fully laid on the altar and fan into flame. And that's the, the, the image that Paul gives to Timothy and we get to listen in on since it's included in Scripture. Fanning it into flame. You know how there's a tiny spark? And the spark grows into a little flame that's, uh, you know, the wind is whistling through and you wonder, rather, and then you blow on it or fan it and the embers begin to build and it grows into this glowing fire. That's the portrait here. See, sometimes our gifts can feel like just this little spark, and we say, God, how could you ever, how could you ever use me with my paltry gifts and some of my life experiences? And what God is saying is, when we entrust His Spirit and we take steps to serve and learn and grow, it's like the Holy Spirit will blow into that. Just like Jesus blew the Holy Spirit into His apostles, it's like, and there begins to be the ember begins to flame. And we'll see it go beyond what we ever could have imagined. Matter of fact, <clears throat> one of the things I'm looking forward to in eternity. Now, I want to live a long life. And as you know, I want to be like 96. I'm preaching here at First Baptist. I'm 96. And I'll say, Jesus, and I'll drop dead. Isn't that a great way to go? And, and then I'll, it's like, Jesus, I was just talking about you, right? But I mean, I want to live a long life. But here's what I'm looking at. Here's the reward that I'm looking forward to. It's not for me to have a big palace and lavish thing. I, I, what I look forward to is God saying, Greg, let me show you how the Spirit worked through you beyond what you could have ever done or ever imagined. Let me show you out of the little spark that you brought. Let me show you how that was fanned into flame beyond anything you could have ever imagined. That's how the Holy Spirit magnifies beyond what we could imagine our gifts. <clears throat> but... One of the things that we need to realize is we learn our gifts usually by serving. And so the key is get in the game. As we start serving, God's Spirit begins to nudge us and we kind of realize, oh, you know, that's, that's probably not one of my gifts. That's okay. That's, oh, and, oh wow, I'm beginning to find passion. Oh, there's a joy here. Oh, and then in community, where there's people around us who love us, who trust us, who cheer us on, who are able to give us feedback and mentor us, and those gifts begin to grow, and we begin to kind of swim in the pool that God has called us to in different seasons of our, of our lives. And that's what this laying on of hands is about. Remember when the elders 
Timothy laid hands on you. They were saying, this is your gift. You've received this. Steward this mentor. It was confirmed in the community. Isn't that beautiful? The church should be the safest place to serve. See, there's no such thing as failing when we serve unless our sin creates toxicity. There's no such thing as failing when we serve. Instead, God uses that to teach us and guide us and mold us and help us find those sweet spots of how God has called us to serve. And the church should be the safest place on earth to learn and grow and and discover our gifts and serve. An example of of how God guided one team to, to be guided by the Spirit, because sometimes we can wrestle, how do we discern what God's Spirit is doing? Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Now this is a mission team, Paul and a mission team, and they left Antioch, and they had this bodacious vision. Let's go to the next province, the province of Asia. That would be Turkey today. Let's go to the province of, of Asia on this mission trip and spread the gospel. And they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a Macedonian man begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so at once we got ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding, the word could be translated discerning, having wrestled and discerned that God had called us to share the gospel with them. God gives us and God guides us. See, the mission team thinks, oh man, wouldn't it be great if we could take the gospel to to the province of Asia, today Turkey. But God's spirit has greater things than they could ever imagine. I wonder when it says the spirit of Jesus stopped us. What if that was a beautiful kumbaya moment where there's a sense of, oh, God's calling us not to go there. I wonder if it was frustrating stuff like, ah, how come we can't go go to, to, but we couldn't get through that checkpoint or someone was sick or we had these issues. Who knows how that happened, right? But it was real life and somehow... They concluded, I I, I just don't. And then here comes this vision, this dream. And notice it says, come over to Macedonia. See, that's crossing the Bosphorus into Europe. First time the gospel goes to Europe. See, the gospel had already gone into northern Africa. had already gone east to Asia. hadn't gone to Europe yet. And they, they, they could have never imagined. But see, they're in mission motion. Had they stayed in it, oh God, when you lay it out, then we'll go. They, they just knew God wants us to take the gospel. Let's take the next step. They took the step. They were in mission motion, serving. And while they were serving, that's when God's spirit really was able to get a hold of them and send them beyond where they could have ever imagined. The takeaway for us is to recognize that it's as we serve that God so often helps us discover what our gifts are what the next way of serving is. And sometimes it might even be frustrating. And we just realize, I think the Spirit of Jesus might be either teaching me to persevere through this or guiding me in a little bit different direction. And so here's the real key. Don't give up. One last autobiographical example. After graduating undergrad, um, Carol and I were married honeymoon, and then started on staff at a church. So in 35 years, it's the only life that we've ever known, okay, is, is ministry. And so um, I was a student ministries pastor at a church plant that was thriving. A lot of children, but only three youth. And I was called to do several things. One of them was to pioneer a youth ministry. 
All right. Three students we started with. After six months, we had two students. Okay. And I remember doing the math. Three. That means after a year one, okay, this is going to be an 18-month assignment, and then they're going to fire me, right? And I remember, remember one time a student saying, this is so boring. And then Carolyn saw me, and I was just broken. And I just said, Carolyn, I don't think this whole ministry gig is really, I don't think I'm cut out for it. I think maybe I'm called to do something different. And Carolyn, in all her godly wisdom, she said, Greg Moselle, now when she used his last name, okay, said, Greg Moselle, you're going to go back next week. And you're going to go back the week after, the week after, and all through the week. And you're going to learn, and you're going to grow, and God's going to guide you. And it was probably three or four months later that I think the students felt safe to bring their friends. And that youth ministry just began to, I'll just say, really explode beyond what we could have imagined. Don't give up. Learn, grow, discover the spirit of Jesus will sometimes guide us in ways that might be challenging. But remember, God's spirit is never convicting us or nudging us to condemn us. Not like, Greg, why don't you get this? Instead, it's, I have something for you that's better. I want to guide you. I want you to persevere through this because I'm going to shape you through this into the future. Guided by God's spirit. But I want to come back to kind of a last theme with this because the number one thing that is the most important in us fulfilling Christ's mission is our character. I want to come back to that after talking about gifts. Um, At First Baptist, the metrics for either uh, calling pastors or uh, raising up spiritual leaders is C3. Okay, I mean, we have B3, belonging, becoming, uh, belonging, believing, becoming. So we have C3, right? And leadership, C3, is character, chemistry, and competence. So first of all, character. Is this someone who radiates Christ's character to other people? The second thing is chemistry. Are they a joy to work with? Do they work well among teams? Do do they raise up teams and leaders to be set free to serve? And then competence. Is there a gifting, a competence, and experience, or growing in whatever uh, ministry that God might be calling them to? But you notice number one is character. Let me give you an example of this from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to have to unpack this briefly. We all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into Christ's image with increasing glory. This comes from the Lord's Spirit. This looks back, uh, the passage building to this, of Moses coming down the mountain and he radiates God's glory. But the people are freaked out. They can't handle it. And so Moses puts a veil over his face to veil God's glory. And the portrait is, God's glory has been veiled. But when when Jesus came and the Holy Spirit resides within us, the veil is lifted. And God's glory, Christ's image can be radiated through God's people to their neighbors as we love and as we serve, as we show compassion, as we speak truth, as we seek after justice. It's like The image of Christ is being radiated for our friends, our neighbors, and for our world to see. Isn't this critical? Because we live in a cultural moment where the witness of Christ has been so warped 
in so many ways. And I think there's many people who think they're rejecting Jesus, but they're really rejecting Christianity Incorporated. All right? And if there's going to be people reject, I want them to reject Jesus, not a caricature. How we need to be cultivating the character of Christ within us, that God's Spirit can shape and mold us. And through that, just by being Christ's people, that people see who Jesus is. With, with the veil removed, the veil torn away. How does this happen? It happens when the Spirit helps us to become more like Christ. The number one thing for us, if we want to make a difference in the world as Christ followers, is to be cultivating the character of Christ within us. Tragic example of this, and then we'll wrap up. I've been listening to a podcast because a the group of pastors I'm part of has been discussing it some, but um, I'm re-listening to a podcast. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's tragic. Mars Hill was a church that was planted in Seattle years and years ago, maybe 20 years ago, something like that. Uh, three couples, the founding couples, within about 15 or 18 years, it had grown to 13,000 people and like maybe six campuses. But along the way, there began to be real toxicity. There began to be tremendous amount of high control. The way women were viewed was misogynistic and damaging. The burden put on people who began to burn out and flame out. Some of the narcissism of the lead pastor who was being platformed at a young age to such a platform that as time passed, it became incredibly toxic. Finally, he needed to resign Within three months, the main campus closed. They just said, this is so toxic, this is so ugly, we're closing. And then each of the satellite campuses could choose to become independent churches or not, the rise and fall. But there's been a statement through it that has just really reverberated within me. We were so engaged, we were so moved, almost intoxicated by the fruit we kept growing and we were written about and, and our pastor speaking at all the conferences and there were all these people in Seattle saying, wow, and it was all the fruit that we forgot faithfulness. That, that, that in a sense, we saw the results and because of that, we compromised on character. And we really didn't know it, but then all, so many people interviewed who are part of the church now has such regret and pain. And I mean, there was a lot of tremendous ministry but especially the last several years, there was just so much wreckage in so many people's lives. Here's what I want us to think about. I'm preaching to myself as well. That the most important thing our neighbors need to see is who Jesus really is. And the gifts follow that for how we then take Christ-like character. And when we struggle, God's grace, because remember, we're marvels of grace for the world to see. Then the gifts follow for us to, to be serving and to be sharing. Because our character can be like a house of cards. When I was a kid, we used to take the 52-piece uh, you know, deck, and we'd do a house of cards. And then every once in a while, either the door would open, a little bit of breeze would come through, or someone would sneeze, or someone would bump the table, boom, it would all come down. That was the tragedy that happened. See, if we're not cultivating Christ-like character, 
It can be like a house of cards in our lives. And so to wrap it all up, here's a metric for us to be wrestling with. I leave us out of this series with Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are like metrics for us to ask, how am I doing following Jesus? How, how am I allowing the Spirit to, to fill me and move me and shape me and mold me? In other words, am I loving? Even people who it's difficult to love. And when I'm not, do I go back and confess? So God's grace might be seen. Am I a joyful person who exudes the joy of Christ? Am I peaceable? Am I seeking peace? Am I patient with people? Am I kind to other people? It, it goes on. Am I faithful even when it's costly to be faithful? Do I have a gentleness even when I'm having to speak truth and, and, and challenge someone? And, so these are metrics to just ask, how am I doing in order to keep growing and serving under God's grace? What will you do with the one and only life that God has given to you? I pray that the men and around Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also, consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.